So I guess we should explain Mikey's absence. We should. Mikey's not with us because his other kids from California are in town visiting him. Yes, he's doing some uh, some father bonding time, which is we're happy for Mikey. Oh yeah, that's that's very important. So I want to ask you a question here. So uh, so you were on a little vacay and you were at the beach as I saw you shooting some footage. So how was that little getaway? It was it was nice. It was probably the first time, well, that, you know, a promoter put me up at a hotel right smack dab on the beach, but that whole strip is on the beach. And the uh, right. the arena is like two blocks off, or maybe not even two blocks, maybe a block and a half off the beach. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, that was a great show, by the way. That was a great AEW show, so if you guys haven't checked it out, I believe you still have an opportunity to go online and check that out, so... Awesome, awesome. And I'm really excited about everything that's going to be coming down the road with them. I am too. I'm really excited. I was excited. I, mean, I get excited at all the shows so far. I get just as excited as the guys who get to still wrestle. Right. I'm with you. Well, let me ask you this question real quick before we kind of get into a few things. Recently, we heard the news that uh, Paul Heyman's taken over for Raw and Bischoff has taken over for SmackDown. Now, obviously, we know that everything's still going to have to funnel through Vince as far as final approval on things. But what is your thought on that? Do you feel like that is maybe a step in the direction of Vince maybe kind of loosening his grip on things? Or do you think this is just a a kind of a marketing ploy to try to see what we can generate with uh, fan attention? It's hard to say. It could be he's given a little control over because he's got the XFL coming up soon. And I'm sure, I don't know how much he's going to be involved with that behind the scenes. I'm sure quite a bit, I would think. And we know that uh, that Paul Heyman has been known for being a pretty creative guy. And uh, he's had a, a very lengthy run as being a part of the creative team with uh, WWE. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do because you know what? As we've mentioned before, as much wrestling as there is, is good. Because that, that means more guys can get work. So... And it seems like it's going to be a hotbed. And everyone ups their game if they want, you know, better ratings. Or and when there's not, when there's no one else, you have no incentive to really push yourself. That is true. That is very, very true, man. But you sound good. Is life treating you pretty well? I mean, anything new? I can't new? complain. Well, I just finished. I just did some PVC work for the first time. I love YouTube. You can look on there for anything, and it'll show you how to do stuff. And I was successful. I'm horrible at woodworking, though. Really? You know what? I did my old house. We had a brand-new deck built because the old one was falling apart. I took took the thing down and burned it. I did. Well, we're out in the county, so you can burn things. Oh, so, that's good. Okay. So we're not, we're, yeah, we're so not breaking any it. laws here. No, 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 no. So I tore it down. I mean, it was literally falling apart, just rotting. And then we hired someone to come build a new deck. 
and it wasn't an extravagant deck. It was just a 12 by 12, just to make it simple so they didn't, you know, had less cutting to do. And, and uh, then soon after we had the deck built, I, we uh, got Cheyenne, and we failed to realize she was in her chewing stage. Right. So she chewed, I think it was 30-some of those, I forget what you call them, the pieces of wood that go up and down on the railing. The little oh one by ones. Oh my she god! She chewed on thirty. I think it was thirty-two of them. I had to replace. So I got to be pretty good at that. Wow! But I did help a maintenance guy at work build a handicap ramp for an older couple. So I learned because that's almost like doing a deck in a way sure. with the railings. Absolutely. So I kind of learned from that experience, and then I just applied it to my own deck when I had to replace all those. Wow! Look at you. I'm getting there. See, and I'm I'm having a vision right here, okay? You mentioned in a prior episode that you needed a hobby, right? If you had the time, a hobby. What happens if we got the Jerry Lynn YouTube channel going and we had you doing things around the house? Oh, Lord, that would not be good. (laughs) Because (laughs) half the time, probably a one-hour project will turn into a three-day project because I will end up going back and forth to Home Depot or Lowe's probably two or three times. Realize, <laughs> oh, I need this tool. Oh, I need this. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. But it would be entertaining as hell, though. Maybe to some people, yes. They, they would get, probably get a good <laughs> laugh out of it. At my expense, of course. Oh. You know, Jerry, speaking of wood, you know what, 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 what I think of... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking sure it's about not canoeing. It's 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 definitely not it's definitely not canoeing. But it's the bluechew.com. Jerry, have you yes. heard of this product called the bluechew.com? Yes, I have. I've and you know what? We always, you know, think about you know, we've been applying it to the uh, with wrestler terminology and stuff, but this can apply to any walk of life. And I was thinking even the suit and tie corporate world you know, if you're feeling you, you can't reach your full potential anymore, or you can't hit that glass ceiling anymore, or if your Buddhist can't even climb the corporate ladder, have we got good news for you. Keep in mind, you don't have to have any food in your stomach to take it, but if you decide to go ahead and take her out for dinner and then go ahead and still enjoy yourself, you can do it on a full stomach as well. Jerry, what are the steps that people need to take to go ahead and get their order of BlueChew.com? Just get online and fill out a short little questionnaire, and you're off to the races. And it comes in very discreet packaging. I even got a package yesterday, and I said, what is this? And Pam said... Is that your blue chew? I said it could be because I couldn't see anything on the package. That's true. I mean, if you are all about your privacy, bluechew.com does great discreet packaging. Once again, there's no doctor visit. It's no awkward conversation, no waiting room or waiting in line at the pharmacy. It comes right to your door. Blue chew gives you the confidence that you need every single time. Remember, chew it and do it. Now, for all of our listeners here on Front Row Material, if you'd like to get your first order of the blue chew jerry what do they need to do the secret code ecw that's right ecw all you got to do is pay the five dollars for shipping once again that's b-l-u-e chew.com promo code ecw 
So we got something big for you. We're not talking about our packages. We are talking about, we have more of Matt Kuhn. We have part two of Matt Kuhn, who was with us last week on Fur Row Material. Jerry, we have so much Matt Kuhn material that we decided to go ahead and bring him back for a second week. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's awesome. It was fun. And then Mikey and I did his podcast too, and that was a good time. That's right. Guys, you also need to check out Matt Kuhn in Total Engagement. He's also on the MLW Radio Network. You can find his podcast wherever. Let me try that again. You can find his podcast anywhere fine podcasts are made available. Remember, let him know that you heard him on Front Row Material. All right, without any further ado, let's jump right back in the conversation with Matt Kuhn. Hey, Art. Mikey, Jerry, 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 well, I know oh, Jerry's probably like, have you hit the, hit the record, record button already on your, uh, yes, I did. Son of a bitch. I... God damn it, I'm a, <laughs> okay, there we go. Oh, there it is. Oh, oh God, you're pulling a lid. That's a feedback loop. That's amazing. Isn't that awesome? Problem. Dude, how do I, I can't do it on purpose. Beautiful, baby. Well, I'm recording everything. People du- pay professionals a lot of money to make that feedback loop. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and Matt, I do it Matt's, for free every week. Matt's so going to get done with this and go, what in the fuck did I spend an hour of my life? Oh, he no, knew coming great. into it. He knew coming into it what it was. So Swoggle told me, I, I, I got a conversation, you know, you get a few beers and you're sitting with Swoggle. So you got to ask about that thing, about that. Is midget offensive, right? So Swoggle's like, I'm not offended by it, but other people are. And he went to great pains to show me that he's what's called a dwarf. You know, he said, if you have a big ass and you have um, bowed legs and you have a, this kind of trunk. You're Tommy right? Dreamer. <laughs> you're not, you're not <laughs> But he said he wasn't offended by it, but he said that other people were, so you probably shouldn't use it, but it's not proper for someone like Swoggle, who's a dwarf, not a midget. Do, do you guys foresee the Rockers getting inducted? Uh, maybe by default, as they're running out of people to put in. Well, and, <laughs> well you got to have... Yeah, that's another thing. They, they, they're putting so many people in, and in, in the you know induction classes are so huge. Matt, do you think that they're just putting people in just for the fake sake of selling the show as far as the hall of fame? Or do you think that it's, it's worthy of having this many people at this point in time, there's no other reason to have it than to sell tickets, but for sure, you know, for sure it's, it's, it's all about in the past, we've seen the hall of fame be used for like political purposes. Like he buys the Puerto Rico tapes and he gets Cologne in and he buys the AWA mm-hmm. and he gets Ganya in and Fritz, Fritz and the boys are getting in, you know? And uh, it, it, you have to have, I think I figured it out. Like you get, you have to get a black guy, right? You have to get a tag team. You have to get a dead guy. You have to have like, you know, you can't have anybody who's like on a, in a wheelchair right. coming out. Yep. You know, I think there's general guidelines. And for the wrestlers like Honky Tonk Man, it's, it's a little bit of a payday. It's a chance to get out front and say your piece and say thank you and leave people the lasting memory. It's a, it's a hard temptation to avoid, but I'm sure Jerry does too. But I know some people who are just dying to get out of these legends contracts now, you know, and, um, they regret doing it. Wow. Oh, for sure. For sure. 
For sure. Because, you know, you're at the beck and call of these um, royalty checks that have to do with these figures that you've never had figures before. You've never got a royalty check before. But also, you can't do a lot of stuff. So you feel like a bit of a sellout. You can't say things. You can't be yourself. You can't take certain bookings. You know, you can't go to StarCast. You know, so um, I... I yeah. Perfect. I'll take it. Where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> did you guys get figures? Uh, did you get figure? Did you get a figure in WCW, Mikey? Nope. Was there an ECW, Mikey Ripick figure? Damn. Nope. So somebody listening out there who makes figures needs to make a Mikey Whipwreck figure, right? Well, there's one that, yeah. that Figures Inc. made one out there. I mean, that's that's a new one. They nailed the shirt. It looks really they did. good. Yeah. The face? <laughs> you don't look like un- Uncle Fester, do you? I pr- I would prefer that. What? To look like Uncle Fester. You know the running gag about Uncle Fester. Yeah. Yeah, Sandman yeah. told him he could make a mint. Well, if your action figure looked like it, you could bring those and make a mint selling them too. Yeah. Yeah. I would I've I've never gotten a royalty check, so I'd love to have in, one. in your in your Wikipedia pictures, uh, Mikey is rocking the Uncle Fester look. And Jerry looks like someone's pointing a gun to his face. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, yes. The, uh, I always hated taking pictures. I, I, you know, just for photographers and stuff. And there's only so many ways you can pose and whatever. So the long, you know, as the years went by, I just thought, I'm just going to start having fun with it. And I'd start doing goofy stuff. And of course, they will pick the wackiest ones to put in magazines or wherever. You know, most rest, most wrestlers yeah, like to do- like your fucking belly hanging out <laughs> in a fireman's carry. <laughs> most wrestlers like to do the point. I thought that was a Texas cloverleaf. Oh, yeah, Texas cloverleaf. Right. Generally, do you like doing conventions? <laughs> no. If I'm there, you have fun. Here's the thing with conventions. I have severe anxiety. So for me to go out there and then all with all the noise and everything else and all the you know, the occasional person come up and saying hi, like I get very like I get very overwhelmed. And then they, they want to talk to me and I don't want to be rude and not talk back to them, but I don't really have much to say. Like it's not not like I'm get the fuck away from me. I'm like, hey, how are you? Good. I like I don't I'm pretty bad at starting conversation. Jerry's like, hey, where you from? Thanks for coming. How's the kids and the wife? How's everybody doing? And I'm just like, I can't do that. I've had I amazing just... conversations with Jerry Lynn. He doesn't even remember me. I'm like he's the best. But you can't say if I saw you, I'd remember you. See, exactly. I would. I don't remember names, but do, I remember faces. I'm trying do to Do you be remember the, the skit they did on Saturday See? Night Live where Chris Farley was the interviewer? He was like the obsessed guy. And yes. oh, he had Paul McCartney oh. on there. Remember the time you were, you were with the Beatles? I feel like that is the fan that comes up to Mikey in Mikey's Paul McCartney. I'm starting to go deaf. So people are talking. If there's a lot of background noise, I have no idea what the fuck they're saying. And I'm trying to read their lips. And I'm trying to pay attention. And I'm like, I just. We know why you're going deaf, good. right, Jerry? No, I thought that's if you that's if you go no. blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if you're. Uh, yeah, you had to see it. I, you, you had to see. I took a pottery cast. I, ma- I made a bust of a Lionel Richie. If you're Lionel, if you're. <laughs> Looks you nothing like. Was it, if you're Lady Poffo, you can go deaf by doing it too much as well. 
Or break your neck. I thought you were going to go with the whole clutch. The clutch. Oh. oh Don Marie's clutch. God. That's what yes. started it. Yeah. I bet you wish you were deaf at that beer festival. Oh, Jerry. I did. I wished I, I was deaf. Here, now, here's, here's an example. We did a beer fest in uh, Industry Brooklyn. City in Brooklyn this past weekend. And it was fucking loud. There was noise. There was commotion everywhere. Well, like it was in a big, you know, different floors of a warehouse, and the noise just bounced off the walls and the ceiling. And, and we were in a back area that they had curtained off. And, and Jerry, how many times did I have to leave the room and walk uh, away? Quite a few. I kept going, where's Mikey? Yeah, I just can't. I can't handle it. Like, I get very, like, Worked up and freaked out, so I had to go for a walk and find a quiet place. Was there my a quiet head, place there? Well, I, I found a place kind of as far away from the noise as I could. In a porta potty? <laughs> In a handicap stall? Well, I did do that too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but no, I do that. I go find, I found as far away from the noise as possible, and I put my headphones in, and I just started listening to music. Okay. Just to kind of. So you've. So you freak out a little bit. Oh, it's bad. It, it seems to be getting worse. That's hand in hand with, you know, the performer thing, right? Like a lot of artists, musicians, performers, yep. when they're inside the ring, everything fucking makes sense. But the minute you step outside, you don't know what to do. Yes. It's very crazy. Like, I know what to do, but like, I just get, and from all the concussions, my, my doctor told me, you're in a very inner routine. If it's something that you're familiar with, you're good. But if you go somewhere where it's just all kinds of outside stimulus and it's just going crazy... I just can't handle it. Like I just go, for, I just freak out. I, I know the look on his face now. He does. Could could you say you okay? You oh, okay? Wow. And he'll go. He, I'm over it. <laughs> I'm over this. I, I'm fucking over this. Well, Jerry's great because Jerry just looks like a dude. You know, when Jerry's walking through, Jerry doesn't really look like a wrestler. He just looks like a guy. So he doesn't attract you know people around him probably the way Mikey would with his giant bald head. <laughs> Which giant, giant bald I mean, head? Oh, oh, hey now. I mean, I think your head's grown more than Shane McMahon's over the last 10 years. It's impossible. Yeah. It's big. I about that. I'll be the champion next I'll week. I'll tell you what. That is a now, do you guys watch? <laughs> do you guys watch wrestling? Do you guys watch WWE, the product? No. I I try. I try sometimes, but I'll watch the three hour raw in literally twelve minutes. <laughs> you just hit that fast forward button. I know it's bad to say that. How how important is it for you guys as a storyline? Because for us, I think the reason I lose interest, I have a kid, he's sixteen. Um uh, Jerry's met him but forgot him too. But um <laughs> the, uh, but I watch Jeez, I, I watch Raw with him, but I'm not interested because I don't care who wins or loses. I don't get into the narrative. If I watch the Avengers, I care who wins or loses. Is that part of it for you or is it the wrestling style? They've made win wins and losses unimportant. They've made belts unimportant. They yeah. pass the belt back and forth like it's a, a baton and, and a relay race. Matt, when, when we started watching wrestling, right? Hogan was a champion. He never wrestled sure. on TV, right. ever. You saw him, I saw him wrestle on TV when Orndorff turned on him. 
I saw him wrestle on TV one Memorial Day. He wrestled Rus Rusty Dude, Brooks. Dude, I remember that. Because the week before, they said, Hogan's going to be here. He's going to wrestle someone over 300 pounds. And then, then it was this <laughs> right. giant job guy, Rusty Brooks. Yeah. And, and, and you could see him once a month, uh, a few months of the year on Saturday Night's Main Event. Right? So Hogan was a champion. He was a big deal. If you wanted to see Hogan wrestle, you had to go to a house show or you had to watch a pay-per-view. Right? Well, now the people that are complaining about Brock because he never wrestles on TV. That's because they've, they've been given everything for free on TV. Years ago, like you said, you had to go to the big arena show to see the stars fight each other. On TV, it was all squash matches. And then it became <clears throat> about the pay-per-view buys. So they'd have the big, important matches on pay-per-view. Well, and now it's escalated and changed again. Now it's not even about the pay-per-view buy rates. Now it's about... TV ratings and that quarterly rating and making sure the TV network is happy with your ratings to keep you on their network. And so they give away all the big matches and the big superstars fighting each other for free every week. Every week. You burn through them so quickly. And I don't know if that's any thought given to you guys over at AEW, Jerry, but that's a really interesting positive side effect of starting this company out slow is that we don't see Kenny Omega wrestle very often. We don't see the Bucks wrestle very often. We don't see Cody wrestle. We don't even see Hangman Adam Page wrestle very often. And so it creates more and more anticipation uh, to see these guys in the ring as opposed to burning through Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley a hundred times, which on paper we'd love, but we've seen it so many times that we're tired of it. Right. It's like they talk about, they talk about WrestleMania now. What are they going to do? What's going to be their big draw now? They've done everything. Well, and they don't make any of the matches seem important unless it's like the top two dogs. Otherwise, during every match, you're talking about someone else coming up. And so you're telling everyone watching on TV at home that this these two people in this match is not important. It's just time filler. And I think that's what makes the great announcers remember uh, Jim Ross or Shivani or, you know, um, even Jesse or whoever. It gives us fond memories of them because – or Cornette's a great announcer now because um, they focus you on the match. They focus you on what's going on, and everything seems seems important, you know, as opposed to what you're saying, which is all people care about is the one or two top matches. And plus, everything's predictable. There's no surprises anymore. I have a guy at work, he'll always tell me what happened. And he'll tell me the week before what he thinks is going to happen. And sure enough, when he comes back, he says, you know, he'll say, I was right. This is what they did. I'm like, you should be writing this stuff. What's the biggest and greatest surprise you remember, Jerry, from watching wrestling or being a part of wrestling? Oh, one of the things I'll never forget is at the St. Paul Civic Center, packed house. It was standing room only. They even, Yeah, people were sitting on the on the concrete steps up at the tops. And uh, there was a big, big angle with Black Jack Lanza. And everyone was wondering, is he going to turn? Is he, or, you know, is he going to stay a bad guy? And he came out dressed in all white. And I'd never seen so many camera flashes go off and such a loud pop. It was just, I'll never forget about it. Oh, there's another one too. I can't remember what territory it was. But I asked uh, uh, Colonel Parker about it. It was a cage match on T. I mean, they back. Here's what I loved about back in the day. They would show you a clip of what happened at the big right, house right, show in, right. in town. 
so you'd see what you missed, you know, and it was always something big. Well, there was a cage match, and up came this saber from underneath the ring, cutting through the canvas, and I can't remember if it was the headhunters or what their names were, but they came up, and they outnumbered the baby faces and started beating them down, and the fans started rioting, and uh, Colonel said they even everyone had a hard time getting back to the locker room. All the heels did. But, you know, stuff like that. You just don't even see any surprises. For anymore. me, it was when Dusty Rhodes was, you know, um, had to take on the horseman. And he goes to the back and he brings out Nikita Koloff, you know. And Nikita was a bad guy the whole time, but Magnum just got hurt in the car accident. And there yep. was a... There that was, was a moment shit. where you didn't know what Nikita was going to do. And when he hit, when he started hitting the horseman, man, the place went crazy. And uh, I'd, I would love someone to recreate that angle with it, with a heel, you know, bringing the heel out to help. And then him, him turning into the good guy. Cause to me, I still get chills thinking about that. It was great. But it seems like guys have flip-flopped so much. Right. Well, one thing I've noticed too, is there doesn't seem to be any really true heels in WWE. And I think it's because Vince wants all of his superstars to sell merch. Yeah, and a lot of guys, uh, that's the um, the choice they make, right? Like, I, if I'm not, a, I love being a heel, but if I'm a heel, I won't sell merch. Well, that's why years ago the heels got paid a little more because they couldn't go out to the gimmick tables and sell merchandise. Right, you know I mean? you Terry Funk loved being a heel. He was a heel. He wouldn't sign autographs. He wouldn't do anything. And then he said, he goes, I can't do that anymore. If I do that now, I get in trouble. You have to sign for everybody. Wow. It was like you had that persona. And if you'd meet somebody, they still had that persona in public. There's a lot to be said for what Jerry was saying because, you know, how many Hulkamania shirts did Roddy Piper sell? You know, how many Austin 316 shirts did Vince McMahon sell as a character? You know, and... um they didn't get that. I mean, Hot Rod sold a few shirts, but I'm telling you, I was watching at the time, and we just wanted to see Hogan beat up Piper, and that's why he sold so many shirts. So um, I guess there's no great heels in, in WWE now, but um, maybe there could be. I don't think they want them to be because they want every person to sell a ton of merchandise because that's where they make the money. I'm very, very curious like you. Like I'm kind of skeptical too because – I've seen things that start out really well and then they just, they go to shit, they putter out. And it's like, wow, we got all this momentum and you have all this buzz on social media and you're like, wow, we could really do something with this. And then when they end up delivering the product, you're like, oh, that's it. So I, I think I'm in the same camp with you, you know, cautiously optimistic, but I don't have a whole lot of faith or stock in what is going to happen with this. And it is a shame because Bray is such a, a charismatic and polarizing character. You know, when you're in an arena and the fireflies come out, that's a, just to be a part of that when that music would hit was something special. And to see that not so much, uh, it's, it is bothersome because I, I really hope he has a good run in WWE and continues to do well. But once again, with the powers that be, who knows? 
But speaking of heels, like to me, the best heel in wrestling today is the MJF. The MJF is someone who everybody boos when he comes in the building. He stays in character at signings. He stays yes. in character on Twitter. Yep. He's never not that guy. He took two pictures with my son, and both pictures look like he was the most disgusted person on earth. You know, and he snapped the money out of my hand. I mean, he's fantastic. You know, um, why are, is it on the wrestlers, Jerry and Mikey, like oh, to to do what MJF is doing? Like he has found a way to do it. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of wrestlers. I mean, I've, I've seen it. There's so many that they think they're a heel, but they still want to pop the crowd. Well, that's not your job as the heel. Then you're not being a heel. I, I think part of it too is there's there's no mystique for anything. That too. You know, so you go out there and everybody else is acting like not their character in public and on Twitter and everything else. And when you have right. somebody who do, who does do it, it, you know, it. Some people dig it. Some people are like, what's he doing? Like, you know, they they actually think he's a dick. Now, which uh, which, uh, which is you- great. Which is what it's supposed to be. I had a student at that seminar in New York ask me, they said, do you think it's worth still trying? I said, yeah. You know, up until I quit, if I was in a car full of heels, I'd have them drop me off a few blocks from the building and I'd walk the rest of the way. If we don't care enough to try, I mean, why should the fans care, you know? I think a lot of it, too, is everybody wants to have their butt kissed on Twitter and everything else and and be popular and be liked. So I don't think anybody wants to go out there and actually stick to their guns and be that way. But MJF is going to draw a lot of money, don't you? You guys yes, are really he high, will. high on him, right? He oh, will. Yeah. He gets it. He gets well, it. And he's not afraid to do some old school stuff the way it used to be done back in the day. And it's working for him. One good heel with a lot of heat is worth more than a dozen baby faces. He's so good, though. It seems only a matter of time within maybe a couple years where he's going to be the biggest baby face on the planet. You know, that's kind of what I see coming for this guy because he's so good at what he does. And when the fans get his back, um, it's going to be a really amazing thing. He's going to be a really grassroots um, babyface guy maybe in a couple years, the way I see it. Do you see that kind of potential with him, Jerry, for being a breakout babyface star in the future just because of the way society is? Yeah. I mean, if it's done right. They always said back in the day, the, the biggest heel could make the biggest babyface. And if he's, if he's out there being a dick and a snob to everybody, and he does it in public and on Twitter and everything else. And he just keeps going at it. And that's how he is. When when he becomes a babyface, the place will erupt. Yeah, when if if somebody's beating up on Dustin Thomas, you know the kid, the guy, the kid with no legs, you know, and he decides to make the save a year and a half from now, you know, that's going to be something else, you know. He could be the Nikita Koloff. Exactly. I'm always looking for that. There you I'm go. Just, See? It, we just booked it. <laughs> well, Matt, let me, let me ask you this question. In the same kind of contextual format, do you feel like Orange Cassidy, you know, and he's very polarizing as well. A lot of people are pro-Orange. A lot of people are, are against it. Obviously, we know one 
Jim Cornette's not a not a fan. But once again, I think when you when you listen to somebody like Jim, he has a certain way that he perceives wrestling should be. I know a lot of people like Orange Cassidy. I think you guys would agree. We all kind of generally like what he's doing. It's different. It's entertaining. The fans are really getting into it. What is your take on him? Do you think in the same breath as MJF, do you think he could be somebody who definitely is going to get even bigger than what he is right now? I think he's fucking fantastic. I think he's the best thing. I, I, my son, months and months ago, you know, because he's big New Japan, big indie guy. He loves Beyond. He loves all that stuff. You know, he's we've got so much AEW swag up in our house because he loves him so much. But he's like, you got to interview this guy, Orange Cassidy. And I'm like, who is he? And and I was kind of zoning out my son a little bit. And then we saw him at WrestleCon weekend wrestling with uh, Frankie and um, SCU. And it was the best goddamn thing I've ever seen. And, it, you know, I was talking to Frankie about it afterwards. And uh, Kazarian, he was saying, like, he he was almost unsure. He was almost like, there was a lot of ha-ha. And I go, dude, it was fantastic. And he goes, oh, really, you think so? You know, because Frankie's kind of older like me. I'm an older fan. And I'm just I'm just like, yeah, dude, it was great. For me as a fan, I want to be entertained. I'm not, I'm more from the Dutch Mantel school of if it draws money, I'm all about it. I also like seeing wrestlers get be successful without taking bumps um, as few as possible. So Joey Ryan, I'm all about it. Orange Cassidy, I'm all about it. They get people in the building. They have a different character. They don't have to jump off uh, the top of a building through light tubes to get people to come in the building. And I love Orange Cassidy. I think he's going to be a big, big star, but I don't know if he has that kind of top-level potential that MJF has. You guys like Orange Cassidy? I think he's great. Yeah, I think he's really good. <laughs> see, but he, he, he's, see, he's here, amazing. here's the thing that I like with like the AEW audience, right? They know – he doesn't work there, but they know Joey Ryan does not have a super huge <laughs> cock. <laughs> super mega powerful. You can draw with a magnet to my cock. Sorry, right? I'm juvenile. <laughs> this <is> just <laughs> – they, they, they know this is true. But they are willing to go to the show, pay their money, suspend their disbelief, and be entertained. They're not criticizing every little thing. They want to go and have a good time. And I think it's great, to be honest. And my thing is the fans, you know, who get so bent out of shape about Orange Cassidy. You know, it's not realistic. It's bad to the sport. You know, I understand corner, but fans who say that, I'm, I, I've literally got in Twitter debates with them and said, okay, but The Undertaker's dead, right? The Undertaker's a zombie. He can appear and disappear at the when the lights go out. Also, by the way, when you run against ropes, they propel you, you know, and all this other stuff you're willing to give away. But the fact that this guy has magic sunglasses or whatever, you can't buy into. It's, it's a lot of old man talk to me. It's about, it's a lot of back in my day, we didn't do that. But I think people just, they like the stuff they like. Well, and those are probably the same people who pop for Mr. Sacco and the People's Elbow and the Cobra. And it's always cheesy stuff that's gotten over. So what's the difference? I mean, you grew up in a time where uh, Vern Gagne was the AWA champion when every wrestler, every wrestler on the card was better than him. You know, I mean, we all suspend our belief at one point or another. Right. But the best part for me about Orange Cassidy, if you guys have seen his matches, is that he does this thing the whole match, but there's one point 
in the match where he catches fire. Like he waits. It's it's almost like a, a musical piece where it's one point where he gets his energy. He kips up and he does a Hurricane Runner or a Canadian Destroyer and the place goes crazy. It's it's theater. Yeah. I heard you guys talking, uh, Jerry and Mikey and Mike on previous episode. It's performance art. And wh- why not? What, why, do you, why do you think, Jerry, people get so bent out of shape about a Joey and um, Orange Cassidy? Because they don't want to change. They want it the way it used to be. But everything constantly changes and evolves. And like I always swore up and down I would never wrestle for ECW because I saw Balls and Sandman trading chair shots and fans handing microwave ovens and frying pans over the rail and these guys are hitting each other with them. And when I went and wrestled there, you know, uh, Candido, you know, he told me, no, we got our brawlers and we got our wrestlers. Well, when I started there, I, you know, soon realized I was going to have to get hit in the head with a kendo stick. I was going to have to go through tables. I was going to have to have RVD kick a chunk of steel through my skull if I wanted to survive in the business. So, you know, I realized if you want to, you know, the business is going to constantly change and evolve. And if you want to survive in it, you have to be willing to change and evolve with it. And that's all there is to it. But there's some people who just, they just don't want to see it change. Well, there's nothing you can do. It's going to change. So either stop watching it or just go with the flow and have fun with it. You know, and guys will ask me, you know, they'll say, I have this idea, but I think it's stupid. I go, try it. What's the worst that happens? It doesn't work. Then you don't do it again. But what if what if it does work? Then what do you do? You might get over. And more more often than not, it will get over. Especially the cheesier, the better. It's say, funny, look, after the, the pay-per-view in Vegas, and I saw Orange Cassidy in the back, he went to shake my hand, and I couldn't shake his hand. I just kind of slowly touched his elbow <laughs> with my elbow. And then I kind of softly kicked him in the shin and he just started laughing i couldn't help it i had to do it <laughs> say if you think you have a stupid idea remember somebody made a shit ton of money fucking creating ball sacks for pickup trucks <laughs> yeah right right and in wrestling you know i'd much rather see a guy wrestle with his hands in his pockets than to see someone german suplex on the apron like we saw with koto Bushi. um in New Japan, you know, I mean, I'd rather see that a million times. And I think a lot of wrestlers put themselves out because they think it's what the fans want, but no fan in the world wants to see what we saw with Coda and Naito, but we'll, we'll take some orange Cassidy and Joey Ryan. And a lot of what these fans who hate that stuff would rather see looks so choreographed. It doesn't look believable in either. So, you know, everyone likes what they like. And everyone likes different things. They like different styles of wrestling. They like comedy. They like, some people like the hardcore. Some people like the scientific. Some people like the high flying. So I think that's why you always should give them a variety on the show if you want to build a bigger fan base. Now, let's be honest, though, Mike. When Jerry Lynn is talking about how things are choreographed, isn't that his fault? Because the first matches I remember seeing like that we're probably, and maybe you guys are that good, but like for me, I never saw sequences of moves like that before I saw RVD and you. And I think these guys, 
if there was no RVD Jerry Lind, there wouldn't be uh, Ricochet Osprey. Would you agree, Mike? Oh, no, I agree completely. I mean, you got to have somebody who sets the tone and you got to have somebody who sets the precedent for, for everyone to come after that. And if you were to talk to some of these guys, and I'm sure you have, you'll say, well, who inspired you? Or who was somebody that you looked at and you were like, man, I really wish I could do something like that. And nine times out of 10, you're going to get names like that that come up with like a, a Jerry Lynn or a Hooventude, or you're going to get Ray Mysterio comments and people are going to say, man, I really like what they did. And, and I think that's great because too many times so much emphasis got put on the heavyweights. And I think the one thing I liked about ECW was that it was kind of like a buffet. You know, you had your brawlers, but then you had your technical wrestlers. You had your influx of Mexican wrestlers, your luchadors. And then WCW kind of stole off of that as well. These guys got more uh, attention. And even when you were in Impact Wrestling, Jerry, it was the X Division that was so popular. It wasn't who was the world champion. It was the fact that these guys that were so talented. So I, I completely agree with a lot of the guys nowadays look back and they say, man, you know, that was definitely something that propelled me and, and made me want to get into the business. Um, I'd, I'd ask Mikey too, would you think that Jerry Lynn with uh, um, RVD propelled the art form? And when you see these guys now, you can say, wow, if it weren't for Jerry and RVD, they kind of created this style of wrestling. And, and it's, I don't think it's talked about enough. Is that something you see too, Mikey? Yeah, well, I'll give them further than this. I, I said this at the Hall of Fame we did last weekend. For me, if it wasn't for Jerry Lynn and Sean Waltman in Global yeah. in 91, because that's what got me going, oh, I could probably do this. See, and I didn't know how tall Jerry was. I didn't know how tall. I just knew, I knew Sean was skinny. I didn't, I didn't realize how short Jerry was back then. But Thank you. Thank you very much. But, but, I, knew, but, I, but, but I, knew they, I knew he was a smaller guy. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, tall. At wise. least it makes my penis look bigger. <laughs> oh my! It's all smoke and mirrors. You know, but that's what got me going. Oh wow! You know, with the style they were doing. So even before the Jerry RVD, it was the Jerry Sean Waltman. Yeah, I think a lot of us remember that. But Jerry, you must have taken a lot of those lessons from working with. Sean Waltman back in the global days and been like, oh, let's try this shit now. I've got RVD and I've got all this experience. Uh, how important was the Waltman series to you in putting together that RVD series? Oh, it it, it all came down to, to whoever I was working with and how athletic they were and if they wanted to be creative. Because I tried to, anytime I went out there with anybody, I tried to have the best match possible. But there's a lot of times you'd be out there with someone who, well, especially years ago, when it was a bunch of bigger guys, they were happy with just hip tossing and body slamming and clothesline. And they were fine with that. And they didn't want to be creative and come up with something new. So it all depended on who I was in the ring with. I mean, that kind and of it's stuff funny you're doing in, back in then. TNA. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. In TNA, when I was in the feud with AJ, one night when we're putting a match together, he says, I'm your new RVD, aren't I? I said, yes, you are. See, <laughs> so, right there. It's awesome how you took that arc of, you know, this young wrestler trying new shit with your other wrestler, um, you know, um, Sean Waltman, and then moving on to these highlight matches with RVD, and now moving on where you're a mentor to the AJ Styles and the Christopher Daniels, and these guys look up to you as kind of 
the godfather of the X division. You you seem to take to that role of mentor and senior voice pretty easily. Oh, I just you know, you know, I just I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I don't know. I just tried to go out there and give the fans something to remember, and I tried to make it fun for myself too, and whoever I was working with. I think on the flip side, I think when you and I explained this to Mikey before, and and he hadn't seen the movie, but Matt, maybe this will make more sense to you. When I thought of when I would watch Mikey in his rise up in ECW, it was like Rudy, and and I use that comparison because he was he was just a regular guy, you know, could have been out there in the audience, but he went out there and he gave it his all, and I think that's what you know endeared fans to him because they loved that, and it was that. It was that buildup of the, everybody's ordinary man. And then when he finally won the title, I thought that was so cool because it was like it's not one of these, you know, larger than life guys. It was like, man, that could be me. And I think the way Mikey portrayed the character was done so well. Um, well, plus he took he, a beating and, and kept he on going. So he showed exactly. That and I just kept thinking, oh my God, like I was watching in the living room. The match he had with Mick Foley when Mick's face was all taped up, and the promo that Foley cut on Mikey, you know, and it with that match, the, the the story that was told with the neck brace and all that, it was just so good. And I feel like that. I hope people can appreciate from the story, from the art form that they did for what they did in that match was just very very well done. So I think the guys nowadays can take a page from what the you know their predecessors had done in the 80s and 90s because there's a lot of really good stuff right there if they sit down and pay attention the underdog role was never done better it was never booked better it was never performed better like mikey doing that was just um everybody if you did that role again or that um angle again you would try to do it somewhere near as good as it was with mikey you know did you realize mikey how big a deal that was at the time or how good it was at the time or do you have appreciation for it now Looking back at it, I do, and I, I feel appreciation for it now. Literally, I feel, feel it. But uh, no, it was just one of those things. I was just going, doing my job, trying to do the best match I can, make my opponent look as good as possible. As a kid, you had to be just like, holy shit, right? Oh. Or did you have the c- cockiness? Oh, just walking in the locker room and seeing Kevin Sullivan and Road Warrior Hawk, and Terry Funk, and Sherry Martell, and uh, Woman, and Shane Douglas, and then seeing this guy. you were like, oops, <laughs> wrong room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, holy shit. And I d- distinctly remember looking at Shane Douglas and realizing how big he is. And in WCW, he was a little guy. Wow. You know, in, in WWF, he was a, a replacement for Shawn, uh, for Shawn Michaels with the Rockers for a little bit. He was a little guy. I'm going... My God, this guy's huge! Like, <laughs> and here I am, 187 pounds. But I just, I, I was just happy to be there, you know. And I was willing to do whatever I was asked to do. Were the big experienced names in the locker room? Was anybody resentful of of no. where you were going so quickly, or was it not that kind of locker room? No, no. Everybody was very encouraging, very helpful. We, we really were a big team back then. You know, there was it was really us as just like a local, you know, indie in Philadelphia. Uh, we just had a very a big team mentality, 
everybody would stay and watch everybody else's promos at dinner the night. We'd all just hang out. You know, everybody would offer ideas and, and encouragement. So it was just a fun place to be. I mean, when you talk about guys, you know, maybe not getting paid, the fact that everybody stuck around for as long as they did and they the things that they would do just for the love of it, just for the fact that they wanted to put on a good show. I mean, do you think guys in WWF or WCW who may or may not have been getting paid would have gone out there and sacrificed themselves that much? I don't think so. I think they would have said, no, you know, I don't have the check in my hand. I, I, that's not happening tonight. But this was a different breed of people. And I think when you look at somebody in any profession that you're in, when you are willing to go out there and you can see it in their eyes, you believe it as well. And something changes. Um, there is that connection that's made between the fan and the performer in what they're trying to do. And I think a lot of respect goes towards them. So when you, I never got a chance to go to the ECW arena, wish I would have had a chance to do that, but it was just a group of men and women who literally every single night would eat, sleep and breathe it. And, uh, I don't know if you get that as much nowadays. Like, like Jerry and I said, it wasn't like going to work. It was just going and hanging out and having a good time. Is that the genius of Paul Heyman? Because you guys are killing yourselves and not getting paid. No, I don't think it was all that. I think we just, uh, we worked so hard to build something and we didn't want to see it fail. So we just kept hope that something would break. But the legacy is that it, it, you know, it didn't fail in a way because we're still all talking about it. We still remember it and it's remembered for history. Of course, it's still not around, but that has to be some solace, right? Yeah, that's right. Dozens of people listen to us every week. <laughs> <laughs> On the MLW radio network. Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. It's, it's so cool because now, Matt and I, I'm sure you're aware of this. A lot of people now in our age bracket are very nostalgic and, and they really want to relive those moments. And, you know, for as much as we at times are dissatisfied with the WWE product, the fact that the network is out there and it does allow different generations, even like your son, who is very, very astute with what's going on now, it allows him to go back and say, man, I... I really wanted to see what happened here. It is almost the encyclopedia of wrestling. So you can go back and you can see, you know, who did what and how this all evolved and how it started and how everything kind of ties into it. So I like the network for the simple fact that a lot of people who deserved more credit in the moment are now getting their just dues right now. It might be 20 years later, but you know what? People are able to be exposed to them at only $9.99. So... You know, we were the Crockett Cup just got released on the network, and I said we're going to watch a bit of this with my son. And and there's a wrestler he'd never seen before, and I just said all I said to him was I said, "Hey, watch this fucking guy." And this guy was the and my son out of all the wrestlers he saw the Crockett Cup, he said that's the guy he thought was awesome. Yes, was Buzz Sawyer. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Mister mm -hmm. Power dude, Slam. God damn, man! And you know he was tagging with Rick Steiner, and he did that thing, and Dash Walder did it this weekend where he caught him in the leapfrog. And then did the slam. Yep. You know, Rick Steiner always did oh, that. The power slam, but when yeah. Buzz did it. He turned it into a power slam. It was amazing, man. He's he was really good. Not to uh, switch gears, but I know you you did kind of touch upon it, Mikey. How was the Hall of Fame in NYWC this past weekend? It was good. It was a fun time. So you you told us the. 
I sat in traffic for fucking six hours. <laughs> you said you were going to add, add live your to whole speech. Did you make any notes at all or you just went no. out there and, and just called it at the podium, right? Yep. Short yep. and sweet. Yeah. Tried to make me cry. Yeah. It, oh, I did. I, I got you a little bit, I think. Yeah, you threw me all off. I had notes and I couldn't even spit out my what I wanted to spit out correctly. It, I just is there any is there any footage of this anywhere on YouTube or does anybody is is NYWC going to release this or Uh, I'm sure somewhere okay there is I ribbed Mike what was this Hall of Fame oh go ahead Mike this was uh, NYWC in Long Island yeah it's a wrestling company I inducted Jerry into their Hall of Fame this is the school mat where Hawkins and Ryder came out of and Tony and and all them niece. So Robbie E will never be inducted, right? No. Robbie E, when he came in, I called him the recliner when he'd work for us. Because he, he when he was with us, he was kind of teaming with uh, – he was doing the team with Billy Bax for a while. And then we put him with Matt Stryker as a tag team. And watch, oh, I love Matt. watching his matches, I, I said to him, I said, I'm going to start calling you the recliner. Go, the recliner? I go, yeah, you're a lazy boy. <laughs> wow Ro- Robbie's Robbie's the best Tommy Dreamer tells a story of Robbie papering the cars with wrestling flyers during Danny Doring's mother's funeral maybe um, oh my and <laughs> Robbie swears it wasn't him but Tommy Dreamer swears that uh, that's that's the kind of promotion machine that Robbie E is I believe it he's a he's a go-getter and was that a big deal for you to get in that Hall of Fame, Jerry? Oh, yeah. Mikey actually got me there, got me working there. And then I worked there every month for how long, Mikey? A couple years? It was a while. I don't know exactly how long, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was every month for a while. Mm-hmm. So I worked with all the guys. I got to work with a bunch of them. So, and it was it was my, probably my favorite place to work. One of my favorite indies to work. It was a, a good crew. We always had a good time. So it was like I, um, it was I a home away well. from home. Yeah, you did. You did. If you haven't got a chance to see it, Mikey's um, Hall of Fame video is uh, is on YouTube. You can check that out. It is a damn good video. I have watched it numerous times. I've tweeted it. I will retweet it again. Uh, but if you get a chance, definitely check it out. It's uh, it's so well done. It's It tells such a good story and the impact Mikey had on so many wrestlers. And I remember you and I were talking this past WrestleMania about, you know, how cool it was. Like you didn't get your WrestleMania moment, but the guys that you had such a big part of their careers, you know, the tag team champions, you were talking about, you know, the 205 Live guys. There were so many people that you had a hand in and that they had their WrestleMania moments. And I know we kind of shared a couple text messages that that was cool for you. And uh, that was that was very cool. So... It was watching the kids. Uh, for me, it's like really like a, I'm a proud papa. Mm-hmm. I get to watch the kids who I took from just coming in and you know eyes wide open, like you know enamored, but with the wrestling business to, to go and do things. You know, from from Jay Lethal and Hawkins Ryder, Beretta and all of them, Tony Nice, Quiet Storm in Japan, uh, the Amazing, Amazing Red, yeah, yeah, Maximos. You know, watching. Um wrestling i don't get 
angry or, you know, I'm just a fan and I'm just enjoying it. But knowing Hawkins and Ryder and knowing how talented they are and knowing how good they are, it's always frustrating to me how they're used because you can see how creative they are. Of course, they're great guys, but I just wish more was done with them because, I mean, those guys are money. Both of them are. I wish that too. Maybe they take me out for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> kind of bringing things full circle here, Matt. I want to want to get your take on this. I don't know if I ever asked you this question, but there's so many wrestling podcasts nowadays. So many. Um, what do, what's your take on what makes a good wrestling podcast? And do you feel like there is a certain format that works, or do you feel like that's kind of changing and that they're it's going through its own evolution right now. Well, you know, as you know, like I interned basically under Conrad Thompson for a couple of years. He's one of my, maybe my best friend. Um, and he has brought me along in this podcast world. And a lot of people try to copy the Conrad model. God knows I did with Vince Russo. And, um, you know, I don't think it's one size fits all. And I also think that really only Conrad can do that Conrad model, even though I'm, you know, the bargain rate Conrad, as people might call me sometimes, uh, that style doesn't work. I think when you see what makes a successful wrestling podcast, you have to remember it's entertainment. People are tuning in to be entertained. So a lot of wrestlers, especially, you know, they think they'll turn it on, they'll record and people tune in, but you have to entertain. And then people like the behind the curtain stories. People like hearing things they've never heard before. And people also like access. And that's something that Conrad's done well with is give access to um, the wrestlers through, you know, Patreon and appearances and um, making you feel like you're part of a family. And and it can grow. Like the, there used to be the interview format. Austin and Jericho and Cabana had an interview format, then the Conrad format. And now it's kind of wide open. So I think for instance, my podcast, which is just me either interviewing people or talking about myself, is um, I'm focused on being entertaining, sometimes saying things unpopular on purpose so that people react. Um, but I think with you guys, you guys are just funny. You guys <laughs> well, are we're funny. wide open, all right. We're off the rails. <laughs> you guys are funny, but people do like hearing the wrestling. That's the big dichotomy is wrestlers don't always want to talk about wrestling. When I worked with Medusa, she didn't want to talk about wrestling at all. She wanted to talk about everything else. But people tune in to hear the wrestling. So I think finding that right mix of an entertaining wrestling program is important. Bruce Pritchard's program is probably the most popular wrestling podcast. And it's entertaining. It's behind the curtains. It's got access. You feel like you're part of the family. And, um, you know, it's a little harder going now because there's so many people. But I think you guys are on the right track. Do you guys enjoy it? Oh, very much so. Yeah, we have fun. Like, like I, I say, you know what? We come out here. I get to talk to one of my best friends, Jerry Lynn. You know, become good friends with Mike and the Halifax Met. And we get to talk every week and just have a good time. And if we can put the show together and we can have a good time doing it, and we can have somebody out there working for the man, miserable with their job, on their shitty commute to work, <laughs> and they can, for 45 minutes to an hour once a week, they can laugh and have a good time. I feel like I've done something good. Yeah, we've had some say they've been laughing so hard they've almost gone off the road and died in a fiery crash. <laughs> so we must like be doing yeah, no, right. we, we would absolutely, somebody DM'd me one time and said I stopped off and got coffee and I'm not going to listen to the pod with uh, hot coffee anymore. And uh, the one thing I will say about this that's, that's so cool is that it's always been known that Bruce Pritchard is 
the man, at least so far in wrestling podcasts, who has the best impersonations or the widest variety. I'm going to have to challenge that with Mikey. I mean, from the warrior to Terry Funk to Mick Foley um, to the Iron Sheik, uh, Hawk. Hawk. I mean, mean, hell, I shit my pants. Um, There's so many that he does that he needs to be in that conversation. I'm, I'm going to break out my I'm going to break out my impersonation of Bruce Pritchard doing Jim Cornette. <laughs> All right, go for it. Goddamn motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> you know that was my proudest moment working for the Pritchard show was that he was telling a story. Cornette had a rat that died. George the George rat. the rat. Yeah, and so I was editing that show, and I'm like. I'm going to put the Undertaker piano music under this. And it really works so great because as soon as he tells a story about George dying, you hear this soft <laughs> piano music. And I, I was so proud of it. But Oh, that's right. The, uh, the non-Undertaker Undertaker music. Right. Yes. Right. right. I'm a big Jim Johnson fan. But, um, you know, I think your your podcast has a lot of humor, has great stories. And, um, you know, if, if Matt, if Mike can get some control in here, I think you guys are good. Well, you guys you're, are you're putting a lot of stock in something that may or may not happen. So, I don't think I'm going to get the control. Yeah. yeah, we. I don't think we'll do very well under control. We, we actually, there's a funny thing. When we first started doing this, we were talking and we were like, all right, all right, well, let's have this. Let's have some notes. Let's talk about this. Let's do, and then all of a sudden it was like, I started to try to hit on my bullet points and I, I had my webcam up and I'm pointing to the paper. <laughs> no one's going to the paper. No one's going to the paper. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Here we go. And so that's just kind of how it evolved. And I think... Letting people be themselves, much like a wrestling character, let them be themselves with the volume turned up, works extremely well. And Mikey and Jerry are naturally already are entertaining. I'm just the schmuck who uh, who tries to sit back here and, and not do anything to embarrass myself. So, well, you do an excellent job of that, and the blue chew reads are fantastic. Oh, the the. The Undertaker awesome. one. Oh, my God. The Undertaker Paul Bear one. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. I had tears in my eyes, especially when you corrected Jerry. You're killing my shtick. Oh, my God. Especially <laughs> you know, says, do you want rigor mortis? You want your penis to have rigor mortis? I'm like, no, I don't want a dead willy. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it makes it hard when you get rigor mortis. <sighs> Oh lord. So ridiculous. But we definitely want to want to plug Matt as well. Total engagement with Matt Kuhn, who is a podcasting aficionado. Obviously, you had so much success with uh, Truth with Consequences with Vince Russo as well. You guys can definitely check that out as well. Matt, what are some other ways people can get in touch with you if they'd like to interact with you on social media? Well, definitely uh, check out Total Engagement with Matt Kuhn. It's on the MLW Radio Network. Partner with WrestleZone. And uh, you can, any podcast app that you get. Of course, um, check me out, you know, talk to me on Twitter. I'm easily triggered because I worked with Russo for so long. And uh, I'm at Matt Kuhn Music or the show itself at Matt Kuhn TE. And I can't say how much of an honor it's been to be here. I hope I didn't talk too much. No. I just love the opportunity to talk to Jerry and Mikey and yourself. Um, no, it's, it's uh, Mike. It's well, a thanks. pleasure. Thanks for being here, Matt. Yeah, we appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, it's been a blast. And guys, fun, definitely yeah. check out, like I said, Total Engagement with Matt Kuhn. Hit him up on social media. Give him a follow. He is a great, great follow. Interact with him. And Do you, do you know that Will Ferrell did like a couple Don West parodies before he yes. was in wrestling on SNL? 
where he actually yes. was the character Don West. Really? Oh, I need to it check this out. Yeah, Don. Don will talk about it anytime you talk to him. Don loves. I heard it. Don's a really good dude. The best. Nice. Love Don. He's great. Conrad hired him to be at his merch table and sell the merch at Starcast. Wow. It was genius. How? Where do you get the shirts from? from so if How do you, you go to Pro Wrestling Tees, you can go ahead in their search bar. You can go ahead and find Mikey's stuff. You type in Mikey Whipwreck. Same thing if you do Jerry Lynn. Or you can type in Front Row Material. We have our originals right there. Or if you'd like to go to some more new shirts that have been designed by the Halifax Matt, it's shop.spreadshirt forward slash FRM pod. And you can go ahead and have that. I have it on my uh, Twitter main page. I tweet it out as well. A lot of really, really cool shirts that people have bought. We have the uh, the Whipwreck and Lynn, which looks like the Beavis and Butthead logo, which is really cool. Um, we just came out with a new one. I should say Matt designed it. It's really good. It's a, a humble, you, humble you old country style or old country way with the Iron Sheik and Brian Blair. So those are where you can get that stuff if you are so inclined. All right. I would like to thank Matt Kuhn for once again spending some time with us here on Front Row Material. Once again, check him out. He is the host of Total Engagement with Matt Kuhn on the MLW Radio Network. You can find his podcast anywhere fine podcasts are made available. I highly recommend following him on Twitter as well. He's a great follow. He loves to engage with the fans of wrestling as well. So, And give that man a medal. Anyone who's heard our show and still wants to come on, <laughs> I give this him is, all the credit in the world. <laughs> this is true. If we haven't scared him off already and he's right? willing to come back, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Oh, I forgot to uh, tell you what I was doing before I did the uh, the PVC project. What were, uh, you, we're, uh, what were you doing? Well, we were what just were having doing? some lunch and uh, Pam's scrolling through the TV guide menu and all of a sudden sees some special on Jeffrey Dahmer. Ooh. So of course, they put it on Jeffrey Dahmer. <clears throat> it was in both Pam and Annabelle. We went. They went to a commercial, and they started advertising another one on Ted Bundy. And right away, both of them were going, "Oh, he's the handsome one." <laughs> and I'm going, "Oh my God, guys!" <laughs> wow, wow, Jerry, you better not mess up. These ladies are serious. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, they just, so, I was just so going to say, they kill me, but <laughs> bad choice of words. <laughs> so you still don't have a favorite one, do you? Well, Annabelle kept drilling me. Come on, you got to have a favorite one. You got to have a favorite one. And finally, I just said, all right, since I'm a big Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan, probably Ed Gein, because he takes it to a whole nother level of crazy by making furniture out of the body parts and and then I he think was, he was even making clothing out of the skin. He was the precursor to Ikea. So uh, <laughs> that's where they got all their ideas. A lot of people don't know that. And uh, the, that was, wasn't the movie Silence of the Lambs kind of based on him? I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. Man, with a nice bottle of Chianti. <laughs> oh my God. And my favorite line of in a lot of movies is, it puts the lotion in the basket. Oh, my God. See, it, it, my wife and daughter are rubbing off on me. That's, this isn't good. 
<laughs> you guys, we have enjoyed yet another week on here on Front Row Material. Once again, check out Matt Kuhn. You can catch him, Total Engagement with Matt Kuhn on the MLW Radio Network. Do not miss us. Once again, we are uh, dropping every single Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I have a major announcement coming up on the next episode. People have been asking, who are the two finalists in the impersonation Ooh, contest? Yeah. Well, I, I have them. I have them. I will be announcing them. And then I'll be reaching out to them, or they'll be reaching out to me. We'll be reaching out to touch each other, or reaching out to contact each other, however you want to say that. And uh, we will have them on the show and we, they'll be cutting promos against one another. So Ooh, that'll be, be great. I can't wait. We'll be good. We'll be good. So also next week, we'll be having uh, another beer of the week. That'll be kind of cool, too. Jerry uh, and Mike. Ooh, I got to go exploring. find some. Do, do you have or have you heard of a, of a store called Jungle Gyms? Where is it at? Well, we have them in Cincinnati, and it's a big... Like it's an international market, like an international grocery store where you can get stuff from all over the world that oh. you wouldn't typically be able to get. And so they have a whole section that's all different beers. I may go ahead and take my phone and shoot a little video. Uh, oh, just yeah, do that. Things. I'd like to see that. Well, I hope we get a gig yeah, in I think Cleveland because be... I'd like to go check it out because I'd like to see more beers from Germany or you know over in Europe. Once again, if you guys would like to book us for your wrestling event or if you'd like to go ahead and have a show or maybe even at a bar, have the boys. We'll have some fun. We'll have some laughs. Go ahead and reach out to us on the show. We'd be more than happy to talk to you about accommodations. All right. I think that's about it. That's going to wrap things up. Hopefully that they're not trying good. to create some yeah. con- contraption for you, Jerry, in case uh, they oh, get angry oh, with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hope not. Hopefully it's not the rack or... <laughs> Some sort of... Torture device. Yeah, something... Well, I'll tell you. I I should worry because Pam has said on several occasions, uh, let me go get a whip. I'm like, no. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) She goes, just a cat of nine tails. I'm like, no. Wow. I'm I'm allergic to pain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It never gets dull at the Lynn household, does it? No, it sure doesn't. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's show, and we will catch you next time on Front Row Material. The world of MLW Radio never stops. 